If you've got a Bible with you this morning, you can turn to the book of Luke, chapter 2 is where we're going to be today, uh, reading verses 25 to 35 this morning. The text will be on the screen behind me, so if you don't have it in front of you, you can follow along there. But Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35, I'll read it for our hearing and then we'll consider what the Lord has to say to us through it this morning. Beginning in verse 25, Luke records these words. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law... He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's Word. And as we come to the close of another year, it's hard to believe 2021 is now will very shortly be in the rearview mirror, and 2022 is fast approaching on the horizon. But as we come to the end of of another year, I I want us this morning to try to ring in the new year, or prepare to ring in the new year this Friday, full of hope. Full of hope, church. Because all of us in this room know that over the course of these last two years, there has been a lot going on. In our world, in our hearts, in our nation, we've endured a global pandemic. And just when we think the dust is beginning to settle, some new variant pops up onto the scene and spreads across countries like a raging wildfire. We become increasingly aware of the destructive influence of social media. As all kinds of bad behavior has been promoted, as all sorts of anxiety and depression has set in, as people play the comparison game between the highlight reel of someone else's life and the reality of their daily mundane existence. Okay, So we've become aware of that destructive influence, but like a train wreck on the side of the road, the train has been derailed from the tracks, right? Some of us, we just can't turn away. We just got to keep looking, right? And so we've despite of its destructive nature. We've experienced the impact of political and social unrest that swept across our country and many other nations across the globe. And personally, some of us have hit roadblocks in our lives. We've reached these places of an impasse where we can't seem to go forward. We got stuck somehow. Or we've experienced the corrosive effects of the own impurities of our soul coming out and creating consequences in our own lives at times. 
So we've experienced a lot over these last 24 months. So as we go into a new 12 months and push reset here in less than a week, I want us to do so with hope. Because for Christians, despite all that is going on around us and all the tensions that you feel within you, I want you to know this morning that there is reason to move into a new year full of hope. Full of hope. And hope, church, is powerful. It's powerful. And one of the reasons it's powerful is because what hope does is it envisions a tomorrow that is different and better than today. That's what hope does. Right? It looks to the future and says there's a tomorrow coming that is different and better than the today that I'm experiencing. So hope can heal a marriage. It can restore broken relationships. It can fuel endurance in the midst of really hard, difficult days. It can create excitement about what lies on the horizon. It can give birth to vision in your life for the next 12 months. And it can raise you to action. Hope is powerful and we see it in action in Luke chapter 2 in the lives of two relatively obscure individuals named Simeon and Anna. In this particular text that we've read, the scene that we have before us this morning takes place roughly 40 days following the birth of Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is born, the angels show up in the fields, announce it to the shepherds that the Savior of the world has come. He's been born. Jesus, eight days later, is circumcised in accordance with the law. They name Him Jesus, which was the name given to Mary and Joseph by the angels who had foretold the birth of this child. And so roughly a little over a month after all of that, as was custom, he's brought into the temple. We're told in verses 22 to 24, if you read prior to our text today, that's what you would read about. He's brought into the temple along with a sacrifice, right? As the, the first son that opens the womb is to be presented wholly unto the Lord along with a sacrifice. So they bring a pair of turtle doves, which was a sacrifice typically for those who were not very well off, those who weren't driving really tricked out Corvettes around town. Okay? And so they bring in this sacrifice and they present Jesus in the temple. And when they do, there's these two individuals who are there in the temple that the Holy Spirit has brought one of them, it says, in, has brought Simeon at that very hour, at that very time. And Anna, who seems to have been there all along, right? she hadn't ever gone home, uh, they're both there and we see this, the reality of hope active in their life. So this morning, as we look at this text, I want us to consider together what hope is, what hope does, and how we can fuel it in our lives in the next 12 months. Okay, so what is hope first? Hope is expectant and active waiting. That's what hope is. The language that the Bible uses, synonymous with the language of hope, is the language of waiting. So in the Bible, to hope is to wait and to wait is to hope. Those things are equal to one another. In verses 36 to 38, we read about this woman named Anna. Now, Anna is an old prophetess. Okay, she's advanced in years. And the text tells us that she had been widowed for probably at least 57 years. 
Why, do you, why such a specific day? Listen, back in the day, people didn't wait until they were in their early 30s, had a good job, had bought a house, finished their education, all of that before they got married. Oftentimes, they were betrothed in their late teens and producing children by the time right, they reached 20 years of age. And so, if you consider the fact that maybe Anna, at the very latest, was married by the age of 20, lived with her husband for seven years before he dies, she becomes a widow until the age of 84, so that's at least 57 years that here she is waiting. And what is she doing during this time? Since that time, she's been in the temple day and night in the service of God, worshiping God through fasting and prayer, carving out time and space for intimacy with the Lord so that at the moment that Jesus is brought into the temple for dedication, she opens her mouth. The text is very clear. At that very hour, right? At that very moment, she opens her mouth and she begins to speak of Him, which I take to mean Jesus. She thanks God and speaks of Him whom God has provided. Jesus. She speaks about Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. She's been waiting. She's been worshiping. She's been fasting. She's been praying. She's been in the temple along with others who have been waiting for generations and they've been waiting in hope that God would show up and fulfill the promises that He has made to redeem His people. Look at Simeon. In verse 25, we read about Simeon that this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. He as well is waiting in hope that God would come and He would comfort His people in the midst of their distress in the midst of their despair, in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their hardship, that God would come and that He would comfort His people. He's been waiting for that. He's been hoping for that. Now this connection between waiting and hoping gets crystal clear in, the, in the, Paul's letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 8, listen to what he says. In Romans 8, 24 and 25, he says, Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But then in verse 25 he says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So to hope is to wait, and to wait is to hope throughout the pages of Scripture. And waiting, listen church, waiting and hoping is done with expectation. Because when we use the word hope oftentimes within our context, we talk about wishing for something to happen. But when the authors of the Bible use the term hope, they're talking about waiting for something to happen. There's a difference between uncertainty and us wishing for something and a degree of expectation, anticipation, and certainty as we wait for something. This is what the Bible speaks of when it speaks of hope. That we're not, it's not some pipe dream, pie in the sky. Okay? That we're not wishing for something to take place, but waiting for something to take place. And while hope is indeed a patient waiting as Paul talks about in Romans and as Anna has been doing for 57 years and Simeon has all of his life waiting for God to show up and comfort His people for the fulfillment of the promise, it's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. So it's expectant and active. Look at what Anna is doing as she waits. 
for the redemption of Israel. She's in the temple. When? Day and night. (laughs) What is she doing? She's fasting and praying. She's worshiping God. There's activity going on in her life. So she's not at home, kicked up in the recliner with her feet up, with a bag of potato chips, watching the television saying, well, I'm just going to wait for God to show up and do what God's going to do. But she is on her knees, pleading with the Lord, interceding, petitioning God, fasting for God to fulfill His promise to redeem His people. So it's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. That's what hope is. It's an expectant and active waiting. But what does hope do? Listen, church, what hope does is powerful here in this text. Is what hope does, we could say that it irrigates holiness in our lives. That's what hope does. Now, if you're not familiar with the process of irrigation, okay, because most of us we probably learned about that in some science class somewhere along the way, but we probably didn't grow up on a farm where it actually took place. Okay? But irrigation is the channeling of water from one location to another location in order to make that ground fertile for the production of crops. So they would dig canals in the ancient world in particular, and even in the modern world, from rivers or bodies of water. They would dig a canal to the place of their farmland where they were going to plant crops, and they would irrigate. They would bring the water from one location to another location to make this place fertile for the seed that was going to be cast so that it would produce crops, that it would bear grain, that it would bear trees, fruit trees. They could grow all kinds of stuff because the ground had been irrigated. And listen, what hope does is it takes, it takes the waters of heaven and it irrigates our lives here on earth. It brings water from one location to another location to make our lives fertile for the purposes of God. It irrigates our holiness. Look in Simeon's life and the Bible at large. Look at what he says as Simeon was waiting, how it describes this man. It says that he was righteous and devout. Now those two words, the word righteous, it means upright or virtuous or keeping the commands of God. And so this hope that Simeon had as he waited on the promises of God to be fulfilled Right? He's, God had promised through the Holy Spirit that He was going to see the Lord's Christ before He died. So He's waiting on the comfort to come for God's people. And as He waits on those promises, it's taking the water of the future and irrigating the present in His life so that He becomes a man who is committed to God's commands upright in all that He does. He's a righteous man. But He's also a devout man. Which meant he was sincere in his devotion to God and he was careful to consider every area of his life through the grid of that devotion. Listen, what Luke is basically describing in these two adjectives about Simeon is this, that he was a man who was committed to God's commands and a man who was devoted to God's cause. So he was upright and he was faithful in his service of God. See, the the, the water of the future is irrigating the present in his life and it's producing righteousness and a devotion to God in his life. And that's what holiness is throughout the Bible. It's this setting apart Christ as Lord in our hearts and setting our hands to work in God's world, saying that we are set apart for God. 
that our hearts belong to Him. Our hands belong to Him. We're committed to His commands and devoted to His cause. He was righteous and devout, waiting, hoping for God to fulfill His promises. And listen, church, hope irrigates holiness in our lives in two ways. The same way that it did in Simeon's life. Because hope fuels our, first of all, fuels our sanctification. Simeon was a man who was righteous, committed to God's commands. A man, a preacher by the name of Thomas Watson, said years ago that sanctification or the process of change or growth in Christ's likeness in our lives, transformation, he described it this way. He said, it's heaven begun in the soul. In other words, what will fully be one day is in part beginning and in process today. So that sanctification, he says, is and glory, sanctification happening now, glory in the future, differ only in degree. Sanctification is glory in the seed, and glory is sanctification in the flower. Now, you're like, whoa. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Right? That sanctification is glory. What we will be one day in the presence of God, it's that in the seed. And like any other seed that gets planted in soil and is irrigated, it's watered, it's fertilized, what happens to that seed? Slowly, that seed begins to germinate in the soil, doesn't it? And it begins to push roots down into the soil, and then it begins to push stems up through the soil. And as that stem comes up through the soil, it begins to bud out with small little leaves. And depending on the type of plant, it grows. And it grows to a particular height. And then it begins to set branches on it or stems that come off of the main stem. And as those stems come off, they begin to set leaves. And then they begin to set buds. And then those buds, eventually, as that plant comes to full maturation, what happens? Those buds begin to swell. And as those buds... It's a good thing these aren't real. As those buds swell eventually that flower pops open and you see it in all of its beauty. What he's saying is this, is that glory is the full bloom flower one day in heaven. It's what we will be. But what sanctification is, is all of that glory is now in seed form in our lives. And it's begun to push up in the soil so that progressively there's new growth that's being put on in our lives so that as we reach maturity one day, there's going to be a beautiful flower that's going to bloom for all of eternity. And listen, that, that seed is irrigated by the waters of hope as you look forward to what you will be one day. Because one day, listen church, all of our fight against sin is going to be finished. It's going to be over. We're not going to struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness any longer. Praise God! We won't struggle with lust or greed any longer. Those things will be eradicated. We won't struggle. We won't fight against partiality anymore. Those things will be gone. And the flower will bloom for all of eternity. But until then, until then, we have to irrigate 
the present with the water from the future as that seed pushes up through the soil and begins to set branches and buds. Hope fuels our sanctification, but it also fuels our service. See, Simeon was a man who was not only righteous and committed to God's commands, but he was also devout, committed to God's cause in service of the Lord. See, hope doesn't just say, I wish things would get better. Right? That's not biblical hope. But what hope says is, I'm waiting for things to get better, and so in the present, I'm rolling up my sleeves and working for things to get better. Right? One of the best illustrations I can think of this Right, in, in, in our nation's history even, was on August 28, 1963, when Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and he delivered what was perhaps the most centerpiece address of the civil rights movement. And he, his, his speech is littered with all kinds of Old Testament imagery. Talking about the situation that people with black and brown skin in our nation had faced. And what he says is this. He goes through and he talks about his dream that one day things would be different. And then he comes to the end of riffing on all of that dream speech. He says, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. And then he says this. This is our hope. This is what we're looking forward to in the future when God comes to flatten everything out. That's what we're looking forward to. He says, so this is what we're going back to the south with. That's what he says in the speech. Because what he was looking forward to in the future was impacting and shaping what he worked for in the present. Church, See, his hope wasn't just wishing this would happen, but it led him to do something. It fueled his speeches, the marches, the beatings he took, the nonviolent resistance. It was the fuel for his service. And oh, if we could get a hold of that as a church. That our hope for what will be one day fuels how we roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty in working for what will be. Simeon was devout, committed to God's cause. He was righteous, committed to God's commands because he was irrigating the present with the future. Glory, sanctification, flower, seed. It was producing this in his life. So part of what that means for you and I is that you say, listen, I wish in 2022 that my family would be different. You don't just sit by passively waiting for it to get better, but what do you do? You roll up your sleeves and you work for it to get better. We don't sit by and go, I, I wish our church could do this in 2022. And so, man, I guess we need somebody to hire somebody to go do that. No, what do you do? You roll up your sleeves and you get your hands dirty in the service of God and people and you work for it to get better. That's how, that's how this works. The future of what will be irrigating the present and producing a life that's committed to God's commands and committed to God's cause. So how do we do that? As we close this morning, I want to give you two things. How do we foster this kind of hope in our life that's going to irrigate the present? The first one is this, is you've got to fill your mind with promises. 
Fill your mind with promises. See, not only does this text show us the nature of hope and what it does, but it also teaches us what we should hope for. Listen, the source of Simeon's hope in the text was not wishful thinking in the midst of a hard season. Okay? Right? He hadn't been listening to preachers who say, this is, right, this is your season. You're coming in right now. Just have some positive thinking. Power of positive thinking. If you can think it, it's going to come. Right? That's not what's going on here. What Simeon's hope is rooted in is the promises of God. Why is Simeon waiting on the consolation of Israel? Because God had promised that He would come and console and comfort His people. Go back in the book of Isaiah, chapters 44 to 46. That chapter 40 begins with these words, Comfort Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. In other words, her rebellion against God, God is, is now bringing her time of consequences to an end. Comfort her. Speak tenderly to her. Isaiah 66 12 to 14, for thus says the Lord, Behold, I will, future tense, extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream, and you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knee, like an infant, right? Carried on the hip of the mother, bounced on the knee of the father, joy, laughing, no longer weeping in tears. As one who is with his mother, or as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. Why is Simeon waiting for the consolation of Israel? Because God had promised it was coming. He's not dreaming this stuff up. But it's rooted in what God had promised to do. He had hidden God's word in his heart, and he was not waiting, he was waiting for things to get better because he was waiting for what God had promised. Listen, church, if you want to foster hope in 2022, fill your mind with the promises that God has made. Because he is not done. His work is ongoing. He is still fulfilling his promises. Memorize and meditate on those things. And when we do, here's what happens we give the Holy Spirit some fodder. You know what fodder is? It's like food or material that promotes or stimulates a response. Okay? See, here's how hope it doesn't get fostered in your life. Hope. It's not like, it doesn't work like the magician, right? Because when, when, when we see a magician, right, and he's got a hat, and he opens the hat, and he shows everybody the hat in the audience, right? He has an, a, a volunteer come up, put their hand in the hat, right? Oh, there's nothing in the hat. And the volunteer goes to sit down, and the magician does, waves his magic wand, says a few words, presto, change boom, pulls a rabbit out of the hat. 
How did the rabbit get in the hat? The only way the rabbit got in the hat is because the rabbit was in the hat. He put him in the hat. Right? And that's the way this works. Right? If you want the Holy Spirit to have fodder in your life to produce hope as you move into 2022, you've got to fill your life with the promises that bring hope. They point you to a future that is different and better than the one present today that you're experiencing. You've got to fill your mind with those things. Hide those things like Simeon does. You've got to put the rabbit in the hat, church. And fill your mind with God's promises. His promise to hear prayer. Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him and He hears their cry and saves them. Have you ever been in prayer and felt like God is not listening? Maybe not you. I have at times been in prayer and felt like God's ears are shut to my petitions. What do you do? You come back to Psalm 145 and say, the Lord is near to all who call on Him. Whether I feel like He is near to me right now or not, He has promised that He is. The promise of forgiveness. 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 9. The author writes these words, For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. They were in exile. God was promising to forgive them. For the Lord, your God, is gracious and merciful and will not turn away His face from you if you return to Him. Here's the promise that if you return to the Lord, He will return to you and restore your fortunes. He says to Israel, and it'll bring you back into the land that was your inheritance. That He will forgive you even though you've rebelled against Him. The promise of 1 John that if we confess our sins, that He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you feel today like there is a barrier between you and God because of something that you have said, something that you have done, all you need do is confess that to Him and He is able to forgive and to cleanse and to restore. Whether you feel like it or not. That's hope, church. The promise to save the nations in Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to the setting of my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi's prophesying about a day that's coming in which God name would be great among all peoples in all places that's coming in the future do we believe that to be true it's a promise that he's made and if we believe that to be true then here's how this works then we work in the present to bring the gospel to all nations to go to the ends of the earth, teaching and baptizing. We roll up our sleeves as one devoted to God's cause because we believe that's what's coming. The future irrigates the present.
Fill your mind with the promises of God. What promises do you need to fill your mind with so that there's fodder there for the Holy Spirit to activate in your life as you move into 2022 so that your hope is not wishful thinking, but it's waiting on the fulfillment of promises. But the second thing, that if we want to foster this kind of hope in our lives in 2022, we must fix our eyes on a person. Fix our eyes on a person. In verses 29 to 32 of Luke chapter 2, we read these words. Simeon rejoices when he sees Jesus. Can you imagine like walking in to church? Somebody you've never met before all of a sudden grabs your baby up out of your arms, starts singing to it, right? This is what's going on. Mary and Joseph are like, this is a little strange, right? But they're taking in all the things that he's saying, and this is what he says. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon takes the infant Jesus into his arms and says, now I can die in peace because you fulfilled your promise to let me see your salvation. And who is he referring to? None other than this child that is in his hands. Because he's seen the salvation of God in this person that he's holding. That is swaddled, perhaps, even still. He's seen God's salvation with his eyes. Simeon says, what you have promised has come to pass according to your word. You've acted and it's coming to pass in this person. When I've laid my eyes on Jesus, I've seen your salvation. The one you sent, born of a virgin, to deliver, redeem, to comfort and to console your people. To redeem those who have been waiting for your promises. And he says he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That He reveals God to the peoples of the world and glory to His people, Israel. He's a light. The brilliant radiance and brightness of God shown, as we talked about on Friday night, shows up in Jesus to His people who have been waiting for Him. And that light shows God to the rest of the world. See, Simeon says that we've seen him in a person who is light. Now the interesting thing about light is light, though we see everything by it, we can't see it except for its radiant point and its focal point. That's the only two places you see light. Right, so if you want to see light, you've got to look up. And you've got to see that bulb right there. That's where it's coming from. As it, as it casts its beams into the room. Or you look up at the sun whenever all this fogginess goes away. You look up at the sun. And you see the radiant point out there in the galaxy of where the light is emanating from. So that's one way you see light. The other way you see light is through its focal point. Right? When we were kids, might have taken a magnifying glass, gone out to an anthill, okay? Tried to take that sun, harness that sun, and burn those suckers up, okay? Right? Because when you when you focus light through that one location, all of a sudden you see that dot down there on the sidewalk. And you see light in its focal point. It's radiant point, focal point. Otherwise you don't see light. But you see everything by it. And listen church, God Himself is the radiant point 
of all the light. That's why Paul will say in, 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 in 1 Timothy 6.16 that God dwells in unapproachable light. But whenever God focuses the unapproachable light in which He dwells into a singular focal point in human history, you see it in Jesus Christ. All that light comes through the magnifying glass into this person. Into this person. Fix your eyes on Him. He is our hope. He is the one, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18-20, as surely God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in Him is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in who? Him. The person of Jesus. So all these promises that we're filling our minds with, They find their fulfillment in the focal point of the unapproachable light of God in human history. This child that Simeon is holding in his arms and rejoicing over in the temple. Fix your eyes on Him. It's easy to let our eyes be fixed on all sorts of other things. Every single news cycle. But if we will fill our minds with the promises of God and fix our eyes on the person of Christ, then as we move into 2022, church, I want you to know it can be the most hopeful year of your life. The most hopeful year of your life. So as we move into a new year, regardless of what this last year has held, or regardless of what the one ahead of us will hold, make 2022 a year in which you scour the Word of God for the promises of God. And like Simeon, you wait for those things to come to pass. Not wish, but wait. And like Anna, you roll up your sleeves, you fast and you pray. You serve God's cause. Be devoted to Him in 2022. And whenever anything would want to distract your gaze, then you come back to that focal point of the light of God in human history. The person of Jesus. And be reminded of Him day after day, week after week. And as you do, here's what you'll find. That that future is irrigating the present. And you're slowly putting sin to death. Because you're becoming what you will be. Slowly but surely. And you have fuel to serve God. With energy that you never knew you had. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. That God would meet us as we fill our minds with His promises and fix our eyes on the person of His Son. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for the fact that Your Word is full of promises. We see two saints who waited 
for the fulfillment of those promises. And they saw them fulfilled whenever Jesus entered into the temple that day. When He was presented by His parents. Brought with a sacrifice as was custom in the law. And like them, Father, may we root everything that we're waiting for in the future in what You have promised. Father, that we would not lose hope because we have fixed our hope on things that You have not promised. But like Simeon, May we hold fast to every promise that either was or will be fulfilled in Christ. May those promises in His person fuel hope for us in the year that is to come. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.